God, we come before you as we are. We offer you what we have and who we are. As individuals, as a congregation, and we pray, Father, speak to us today that we would hear your voice. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. This morning I get a chance to, uh, to share with you from our new speakers platform, and uh, I wasn't going to make a big deal out of it, but <clears throat> we joked in staff about who would be the first, and I said, it's got to be you, Kurt. I mean, you're the lead pastor, but really, you got to be up here first because you got to give the, the first uh, announcement there, so <clears throat> I just get to preach from it first. I hope, I hope I do uh, you justice and it justice. There we go. God justice, really. Um, this morning, um, I just wanted to in, ex- extend my welcome to you as well. I'm Greg. I'm on staff here at Faith Covenant Church. And uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, stick around afterwards. Get a, a free cup of coffee outside. Um, let us get to know you a little bit. That would be fabulous. And um, i just like to share with you this morning about who God is and what he's doing in my life. So if you, would, uh, if you would pray with me for just one more moment. God, we invite you into this place that we would hear your truth, that my words would be your truth. And God, that if there is anything that I speak that is not of you, I pray that you would strike it from all of our minds, that Lord, only your truth would stick and stay in our minds. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Over the past several weeks, um, Pastor Kurt and Pastor Dick have been sharing, uh, have taken us through some tough but necessary words in the book of James, and they've provided us with some godly wisdom on how faith works into our daily life uh, to help us in in so many different ways. Um, On an individual basis, faith works individually. In James chapter 1, not our text this morning, but a great place to look at. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Humbly ask for God's wisdom in our life, um, and God will generously give. He is the generous giver. He will provide. Um, Another way that faith has worked individually um, is come near to God, and he will come near to you. James 4.8. I just say, you've heard it already, maybe even more than once in in a couple of sermons. Try it. Come near to God. Pray. Dive into his word. Spend time with Jesus and see what happens. God may do amazing things, and uh, and I I guarantee that when we seek after him, he will draw near to us. Um, Faith also works works in us as a family or a body of Christ. Uh, When we have conflict, remember... We don't go behind someone's back and talk about it. We go to the source to resolve the situation. We've been talking about that for a couple of weeks. And, and also, the golden law found in Scripture, the golden, golden rule found in Scripture. Uh, James 2.8, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Um, helping the body, we remember that helping the body is helping me. Helping uh, and not helping the body or hurting the body is hurting me. So when we're helping the others out, We're actually helping the whole body, which helps us as well. It's pretty exciting in that. So we see how faith has worked in in us individually. Faith works in us as a family. Um, Now we're going to take a look at how faith works in today's text. Uh, James 4, chapter 13 through 17. If you'll pull out your Bibles, and uh, maybe you've got it on your screen, wherever you've got it. It will also be on the screen behind me. James 4, 
chapter 4, way in the back of your Bibles, verses 13 through 17. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone, then, who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. We're going to come back to that text a little bit, so uh, you might want to keep it open. We can continue to come there and check it out. Um, <clears throat> the more I thought about the verses that I just read and how we had graduating seniors and I was trying to tie all this in together, I was like, oh, that's a terrible thing to do to them um, because it just, seems, it just seems so wrong. But, <clears throat> but the scripture that is here, I think, I think we turn it around sometimes and make it mean something it doesn't. And so we're going to go through that a little bit. But the more I listened to the scripture and, and read it out loud, the more the song came to mind. And it's, it's, some of you are going to know it right off, but... I study nuclear science. I love my classes. I got a crazy teacher. She wears dark glasses. Things are going great, but they're only getting better. I'm doing all right. I hear somebody singing. I'm getting good grades. My future's so bright. I got to wear shades. That's right. My future's so bright. I got to wear shades. Now, this was a little off. This was a little off because the real, the real word that I want to use instead of shades is love. My future is so bright that I got to wear love. And I know we're not going to change the whole song. I, I thought about it, but um, <clears throat> that would have taken a little longer than we have this morning. So, um, and we're going to come back to that statement a little bit later. My future is so bright that I got to wear love. Um, Beginning in, the section, in this section of James, James says at the very beginning, he says, come now or now listen in some translations. Um, and that's somewhat like today saying, come, come on, guys. What were you thinking or what are you thinking about? He says, you say this or that. We're going to go to this or that city. And he kind of goes on in that. And basically he's meaning um, we should have at least been thinking about these things a little bit in advance. Come on, guys. What are we thinking about here? What, are, what were you thinking? Um, and what I think he's getting into in this first part as, as he, he starts to move into this idea of life being like a mist. He says, you're, you're, what, is, what is your life? It's like a mist. It's here today and gone tomorrow. One of the other scriptures talks about um, life being like that as well. And, uh, and I want to talk a little bit about what that means to me, life being a mist. First of all, to me it means that life is fragile. I listened to, uh, reg- I, sorry, I regularly listen to talk radio, um, and, uh, and I admittedly change the station often because they get on one subject so often and they sensationalize that subject or they hit the wrong point um, in talk radio, and, and then I'm either, I'm either doing this, yeah, yeah, get him, get him, or I'm doing, what are you talking about? And so I, I end up changing the station fairly regularly to find kind of real news, I guess, and so, um, case in point on this, when they, when they change, they don't change the facts. They just really sensationalize things to the wrong point sometimes. Um, child falls into the gorilla cage last week, right? Gorilla is put down. And then the question is asked, I've heard it on so many stations, who's going to get sued for this? 
Who's going to get a buck in their pocket out of this? And who's in trouble? Who are we, who are we blaming? Instead of, oh, what I turned to Gretchen and said was, my son is alive. That boy is alive. That's what we should, should sensa- or, or focus on. Not sensationalize, but um, something they don't sensationalize or focus on regularly is in the traffic reports. Uh, you, you often will hear um, of a fatality in the traffic reports, right? There's, a, there's an accident, it was a fatality, and what's the first thought that goes through most of our minds if we're sitting in traffic? Oh, great. That's going to take me an hour more to get to work. <clears throat> now, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings because I do that too. I think when I'm, in, when I'm stuck in traffic and I hear something like that, I don't automatically think, oh man, I wonder if that guy got a chance to say goodbye to his family today. I wonder what his name was or her name was. I don't automatically think those things, but that helps us to remember that life is fragile. Um, Annie, Annie got it right when she said the sun will come out tomorrow. But the deal is that son might not include us, might not include me. I'm not trying to be morbid here at all. I am trying to help us remember that life, um, life is fragile. Um, whether we're talking about a boy falling into a gorilla cage or a fatal accident, it causes us to think about the, the frailty of life or my frailty personally. And if we don't occasionally think about our own mortality, we might proudly continue to make plans and not even include God in those plans at all. James says about plans like that, that all such boasting about my plans, the plans that I have, me personally, for the future is evil. That's what James is telling us. Hey, hey thanks, James. You always tell it like it is. Yikes. Um, it, it might seem uh, a little bit brutal, but... Um, James is telling us like it is. Remember, we are mortal. Life is frail. He also, I think it also says in there that when it says life is a vapor or a mist, uh, it means that life is short. Even, even so, there are people on this earth that have been here for over 100 years. You, we know some of them in this congregation. In fact, my, uh, my grandmother by marriage, Great Ma, Gertrude Ellison, is 108 last month. Um, you probably read some of that. Most of you know that already, but that's, that's amazing, 108 years. But even that, compared to eternity and compared to the history on earth, that's the, it's a blink of an eye. Life is short. Um, a very insightful commentary suggested that life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the quicker it goes. <clears throat> now, you know... You may not agree with that theology too much, but it is, it, it's true. It goes faster and faster. I, I, I remember last year I told Gretchen after Christmas was done, it was actually two years ago, but it's better for the story. Last year, um, I told Gretchen that uh, I, I, Christmas is over and I feel like I just got into this, this feeling that we're into Christmas. Like, I've, you know, that, that, that Christmas feeling, I guess, I don't know, I got the Christmas spirit late or whatever, and I thought, ah. Oh, it's already done, and here I am. i got to wait like 12 months for it to happen again. And it was boom, and I thought, I just thought that last night, didn't I? That it, was, it, was, it, it just goes so fast, and it goes faster and faster. As you get older, it feels like everything goes on faster and faster. Is that not true? Am I, am I right on that? 
Yeah, I see lots of heads nodding. We don't get enough time with our kids. We don't get enough time with our grandkids. We don't get enough time. (laughs) We just don't have enough time. It just goes faster and faster. And the last piece of this is when we look at life being a a mist, um, I, I feel like is death is certain. Again, I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm just trying to be real. There are only a few people in the Bible that were taken up that, that didn't die. Um, out of the billions of billions of people who have walked on this earth, chances are I'm not going to be one of them that got taken up. Uh, there's lots and lots of people. I, I get it. So again, death is certain, and it's not, it's not because um, it's not to look at life morbidly. It's to check ourselves and remember that death is certain. Um, take out your Bibles one more time, and uh, it, you probably already got them out. Um, and we're going to look at the first couple of verses again, 13 and 14. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go and do this, do this or that, excuse me, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, and carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Um, when, we, when we see that beginning, James is, James is not trying to warn people not to make plans. He's saying, don't make plans that don't originate or even include God. Plans that, origi- that don't originate with God or don't include God are, are foolish for us. And to remember that piece of it. He's saying, make sure we plan, but plan with God. And don't be so arrogant to think that my plans will succeed. When I do that, and I've shared this with students over and over again, when I do that, when I plan, this, when I plan a message and I think, okay, here it is, God. I know this. I love the book of James. And so I, I'm not even going to have to look at it to figure this out. I'm not, and, and I forget that the first thing I need to do is sit down and ask God, what is your will for what I speak? What is your will for my life in this? Um, so we need to make plans, but invite God into those plans. When I get up in the morning, I go through the motions pretty much every day. I take a shower if it's an even day. I clean the kitchen. I make breakfast. <laughs> I eat with my family. Um, I get my Bible reading in. When we have time, and Gretchen reminds us, I start school with the kids. We do homeschooling, and then I head off to work. Um, that's pretty much how it kind of works in the family. I might, I might not plan it that way every day, but it happens fairly regularly. And uh, because of this, this Faith Works series, I have committed to trying it a little bit differently. And, uh, and I want the first thing that comes out of my mouth to be a paragraph of praise. Try saying that three times fast. I want that first thing that I say to God, the first sentence, the first paragraph, to be something that is praise to God. According to James 3, my mouth was made for praise to him. So why not use it to breathe out his praise? I wanna, I, so I've, I've challenged myself to do that and then to listen to God every morning. What's your will today, God? It reminds me who's in control of life. It reminds me that I'm not in control. How does God speak to me when I ask him? Um, what's your will today? It might be through the Bible at some point. Um, It might be in my mind. It very often is through my wife. Um, And it it can regularly even be through my kids. Um, There are lots of lots of ways that God will speak to me. And and that's that's exciting to me. I just have to be aware that God um, will absolutely do those when we ask. Um, How does God speak to you? 
just pause for a moment and think of the, the ways that God has spoken to you in the past. What's the best way that you have of hearing from God? Again, listening to God every day reminds me that God is sovereign and I am not. And in fact, I'm not really in control of much, if any, in my entire life. I'm going to ask, I actually asked Jordan Groper, um, one of our graduating seniors, to share a little bit of his experience in uh, anything that's happened in his life that had to do with um, maybe not being in control so much or not knowing um, that, uh, what the outcome would be. And so, Jordan, I'm going to ask you to come on up and you can use... All right, so I'm Jordan Groper, like Greg was saying, and uh, I've had quite a few experiences where it feels like I'm in control, like I know what's going to happen, and therefore I make plans, lots of plans. And those don't always follow through very well. Um, One example is how I prepared for a very large set of tests. So I'm in IB, and with IB you have two years to prepare for 14 exams, which equal about 20 hours of testing. Um, And it may seem like that's very scary, and it is, Um, but also it's very important to me because at PLU they offer credits. So if you pass those tests, you get a full year's worth of credit, which is about $46,000 worth of credits. (laughs) So as you all are imagining, that is way more than I make in a week, a month, or a year, or anything like that. So that's that's a lot of money. And uh, in preparation for this, I decided that I was going to start studying about six weeks ahead. And I was like, this is perfect. I have a week for each and every single class. I'm going to get it down. I'm going to do it right. And I'm like, and because I think this is so great, this must be God's plan. And so I'm like getting all my notes ready for the past two years. And I start studying one week. And I realized that, first off, I'm very, very, very nervous. And I can't focus very well. Everything I'm trying to put into my head completely falls out. I started with history, and I'm trying to remember all the dates of the Great Depression, different things, and the different policies that the presidents made, and it's not sticking at all. So on top of that, also the teachers decide it's the best time of the year to start assigning projects. And I get three projects in a row. And I'm like, God, what are you doing? I'm, I'm studying here, man. I'm supposed to get this down. I have to, I have to pass these. I have to get the money. And I, so I'm just trying, and I'm pushing, and I'm pushing, and I'm pushing. And before I realize it, those six weeks are gone. I'm even more anxious. I haven't memorized anything despite trying every single day to study. And I just have this moment where it's like, oh, my goodness, where did the time go? And realizing that I'm very scared, but also God loves us so much. There's got to be something behind this. It was a mistake for me to try and make all these plans and try to do it all on my own and think that because I thought it was the best way to do it, that that's what I should do. When in reality, looking back, God probably wanted me to spend more time with my family because I was going to go through some rigorous testing and I'd be busy and as well that I needed to just focus on my classes so I could graduate. So... um, (laughs) Uh, one really good verse to emphasize this idea is Jeremiah 29.11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Um, in reflecting on that, I got to testing 
uh, I started to kind of realize that I was messing up and trying to cram and prep so long before without consulting God. And each and every day after testing, I found that I had an insane amount of motivation. Um, My schedule slowed way down. People stopped wanting to hang out with me, so I had plenty of time. (laughs) (laughs) And I was able to study, honestly, eight and a half hours every single day. And miracle as it is, I was not burnt out. I had the fire of God in me. I was able to study, memorize. Dates were sticking like I were writing them on my brain. It was great. I, had, I enjoyed it even. And I found that every time I sat down for an hour and a half long essay, I was like, dude, I so know this. And everybody <laughs> around me was nervous. Some of them were confident too. And every time I turned over the prompt sheet, it was like, that's my prompt. I'm writing on that. God's got the data in my brain. I know what I need to do. And it was excellent. I don't know what my scores are, but I am very confident that I did well. And I know that God will provide in that way. So that's one example where I kind of was like, yeah. And God was like, no. And (laughs) helped me figure it out a different way. Uh, Another brief example is the uh, journey that my family has gone on with uh, my brother, who has just been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. So about... Ten months ago, he got very, very sick. Um, We took him to the doctors, ran some different blood tests, but uh, they gave him some medication, and it didn't really work. And over the months and months and months of different doctor visits, scans, different tests, blood samples, diagnosis, lots of different antibiotics, nothing really was changing. Um, And my mom and dad and all of us were praying really hard for Aaron, and Aaron was praying too, and uh, there was just, there was, it wasn't getting better. He had only gone to about a week's worth of school. Uh, he was really in a bad way. And that was scary. And you, that's one of the moments where I'm sure we all have them, where you stop and you, God, why are you doing this to me? Why to someone I love so much? Why are you doing this? And it didn't make sense. And it was scary because we couldn't get answers. That's the scariest part, not knowing. But Looking back, we had to trust that God knew and that God was going to be the spirit of healing. And uh, after about nine months of that, uh, we rushed him to the ER, and he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And that sounds scary, but in reality, it's amazing because it's absolutely manageable. We were so worried that he wasn't going to fully recover, and now it's been three weeks. He's gained back 30 pounds, which is awesome. And just last night, him and I were out on the deck riding the penny board around. That was crazy fun. And he's, I got my brother back. That's what matters most to me. And it's not scary anymore because God is so powerful that he's able to heal. My brother was close to slipping into a coma, but he's okay. He's sitting here with us all right now and God has healed him. And that is far beyond what I had hoped for, far beyond what my parents thought could happen as well, because we were so scared. But God is amazing in that manner. And we From that, I gained the lesson that we always have to just trust, just trust that his plans are going to work. Let go of control and just let him take the wheel. Nice. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, buddy. So what I really should do is just have you read the rest of my notes because you... (laughs) 
Um, I actually thought about asking uh, Jordan to share the entire message, but that would be one more pressure in a, uh, a pressure-heavy <clears throat> end to the year. So thank you for sharing, Jordan. I really appreciate that. Um, knowing, uh, knowing all this, um, that life is a mist, that we are not in control, causes me to come down to a place of humble obedience to God's will is the only course of action, is really my only course of action. Um, But how will I know when it's God's will? How do I know that? I did a study a while back, and I think I've even shared this before, but it really sticks with me, so I'm going to share it again. Um, Henry Blackaby does a study called Experiencing God. And it is, uh, he, in it, he says, how, basically that same question, how do you know when you're in God's will? And he talks about how um, when a big ship comes into the harbor, they have three lights that when they're lined up, then you know you're on track to go into the harbor. The big ships make it in. Um, and so he says that, it, that life is kind of like that same thing. If you've got these three things, your life circumstances, what's going on around you, the Bible what the Word speaks to us, and our wise counsel, those who speak into our lives, when those three things are lined up, you can be pretty sure that you are in God's will. Um, and so it, helped me to, uh, it helps me to go back and say, what is God's will? Am I in God's will right now? And make sure that I'm in that space. So circumstances, the Bible, and wise counsel, when those three things line up, um, you can be pretty sure that you're in in God's will. I'm going to come back to, to end really quickly with um, the song that I started off with. My future's so bright that I gotta wear love. We're going to say it that way, and I didn't even get it quite right then. My future is so bright because I wear love. Therefore, this is uh, Colossians 3.12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with kindness, humility, compassion, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive anyone of any grievance you have against someone. Forgive them as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love. That's right. Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. When you wear a piece of clothing or a type of clothing, sometimes you can feel associated with that group. And I'm not necessarily talking about an elite group. I don't wear Abercrombie and Finch. Oh, Fitch? I don't know. I, I don't even know what it is. I don't, I don't wear Gucci. I don't re- but sometimes you can, when you're wearing those kinds of things, it makes you associate with that group a little bit more. I'm thinking more of sports teams. So on Thursday... I, uh, I, the first shirt that was in my drawer was a Mariner's shirt, and I pulled it out and I went, uh-uh. <clears throat> because, you, <laughs> did you see the game on Wednesday? They played horribly. They were terrible. They lost huge. Of course, the day before, they won really big. But then uh, Thursday afternoon, as I'm, as I'm wearing a different shirt, uh, I heard the score, and I was like, oh, totally glad I didn't wear that Mariner's shirt. Um, I didn't want to be associated with them after they were down by like 10 runs, and then they had the most amazing comeback maybe ever in baseball. Pretty exciting comeback, and then I'm like, oh man, I should have worn my shirt. We as- <laughs> even, even in our clothing sometimes, we associate with a, with a group of people, or we, we're kind of a part of that group of people, and I, I kind of felt like a part of the team when you get your shirt on, you know, your Seahawks jersey or whatever it might be, you kind of feel like a part of the team a little bit. Um, 
When we put on love, we are associating with Christ. When we put on love, we are associating with the other Christians around us. We are saying that we are part of that family when we put on love. Therefore, let's put on love. What happens when love works its way into my my job, my relationships, my family? What happens when I put on love and faith works its way into all those things in my life? When faith works its way into our life, because you wear love, your plans will always originate with God. They will always include God. When we say that's where it starts, when we put on love. So I would suggest today, instead of my future so bright, I got to wear shades. Let's not be arrogant. Let's be humble and come before God and say, my future is bright because I wear God's love. Would you pray with me? Holy Father, thank you so much that you provide for us every day. That God, you work in our lives to give us the things that we need. That God, you give us the plans for the future. And your plans are good. And they're always good for us. God, help us to find your plans and always say, thy will be done. Amen.